0: Welcome back to the Build Shop Podcast. I am one half of the hosting crew, and I'd like to welcome my co-host to the show today, Mike. How's it going, RB? I'm good. Yourself? I'm doing good. I'm still, uh, I'm, I'm still getting over the Masters hangover. You know, we got the RBC Heritage this week, and uh, you know, shocking strength of field for the event. I know RBC puts a lot of money into the event, but uh, you know, how could we not start off talking about the Masters? How did, uh, how did you enjoy watching the tournament? I, I,
1: I mean. I will give it credit. I feel like this year there was more golf course footage um, than I feel like I've ever seen. And as a a golf course architecture junkie and and someone who manifests every morning that I'm going to play Augusta National one day, um, you know, it was cool to see more of the golf holes and and kind of aerial footage. And um, uh, this is going to sound weird, but I feel like we've never really seen that tee shot on the eighth tee box that well before. Um, and I feel like eight's becoming more of one of my favorite holes at Augusta. I think, well, I saw tiger birdie at, at 19 on the Sunday. Um, but that's my, that's the best memory I have of it, but I don't know. It's just, we all know the golf course is good. I just feel like this year we saw more of it. And, um, you know, even the footage on that new tee box on, on 13 and, and the shot on 11, uh, I don't know. It's just, obviously we know it's amazing, but I was, you know, really cool for Scheffler. I'm a Scheffler fan, you know, world number one guys won four at his last six events. Um, Pretty, pretty cool as a cucumber kind of guy. Um, The four putt to win the masters is pretty cool, but um, yeah, I I thought it was, uh, you know, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it all the time. The masters, my favorite major, but um, yeah, I, I, I love it. I think it's, you know, it's a shame that it's over, but I will say it brought us spring weather here. Uh, it is nice and warm in, in Toronto. So I'm ready to get on the golf course. Yeah, it's
0: uh, that's, that's definitely a bonus. You know, it, it's always usually like I get it a couple times before the masters, but uh, this time I've, I've yet to touch the, uh, the golf clubs to grass uh, here uh, locally. So I haven't even uh, built my irons yet. <laughs> I'm still working on a few things. I got some wedges to stamp still. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, you make a really good point. I think this year they continue to up the ante as far as exposure around the golf course, uh, especially from camera angles, you know, as, as drones get better now that drones are bad, like they, they've been bad, but I think as their ability to either live stream or use those, use that technology on the golf course as, as it's going, I think that's pretty interesting because we do see a lot more angles With those with those drones and with I don't I don't know if they use wire cams or not, but they definitely have some some photographers kind of hidden away in certain places, which I thought was kind of interesting because there was I know there was a few shots when some other players were on the golf, especially behind 12. You can always joke that it's kind of funny that if you actually watch really closely because there are no rakes around the bunkers at Augusta. And so there are, there are people hanging out in all the bushes to make sure they, they rake properly and all of these different things. And I always find that very, very funny because the, the way the course looks like that is because there are people kind of hidden everywhere, right? And between groups, if they have to, if it's windy, they come out and they get the blowers out on the 12th green. You're never going to see that on television, but uh, there's like a whole grounds crew behind those those greens, which I always think is, is kind of cool. And some of the photographers that they have are you know, literally camoed up. <laughs> which makes it very interesting. So you never see them on television, but it's kind of like uh, Augusta national secret service all around the property, making sure everything looks good for television. Um, but yeah, for Scotty, you know, he played very, very well. It, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was the most interesting uh, tournament coming down the stretch because the only way only Rory was going to get into it would be to see a complete meltdown. And I never watched something like that, hoping for a meltdown. And you know, Scheffler seems like a nice guy and you know he's been playing very well and he just kind of stuck to the plan. And I think that that to me was the only way you're gonna get Rory is by cheering for meltdown. And I don't think any and there's probably very few people, unless there was someone at, at home with a big ticket on Rory somewhere, cheering for that. So that that to me was definitely a highlight. But what did you think of Rory's round just overall? It was bogey free and the way he finished it off was pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the chip in was pretty cool. His excitement, I haven't seen him jump up and down like that since maybe. The Ryder Cup, um, even though that wasn't the best Ryder Cup for them. But I, I thought it was, you know, it was cool. It was funny. Tonight on on the drive home, I was listening to some Sirius XM. And it was Rory's, uh, you know, post-game, post-round interview um, at Augusta on Sunday. And um, it was, you know, you, he talked about how he changed ball. He went from a different ball because of the wind and stuff like that. I think he changed that in Texas where he missed the cut and then played um, a couple practice rounds before the week started. Uh, and, and he, he really said that he's like, I, I can't go for the pins. Like I did, he went for the pin on one on Sunday. Um, you know, he's chipped in a couple times, you know, he made a lot of birdies and, you know, he's like, I can't play like that on Thursday. If I want to try to win at Augusta. And one of the reporter goes, would you try to maybe do that one year? And he goes, maybe if I like, He goes, when I eventually win, he goes, maybe the following year, I'll just try to play like I played on Sunday where I didn't have a care in the world because, you know, he's 10 shots back. And I know a couple guys were texting me Sunday night going, oh, like Rory's coming up, Rory's coming up. He's going to, he could win this. And I'm like, I I would love to see Rory put on a green jacket, career grand slam. It's cool for golf history. Um, It's been a while since we've seen a career grand slam. Um, But, you know, I knew you know, I'm not a psychic, but I knew Scotty Scheffler was not going to fall apart. I mean, the guy was, you know, fairway green, fairway green all week. So I don't really think he's gonna, he's gonna crack. And it's impressive because it's obviously his second or third year on tour. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you can never, you can never not cheer for Rory. I, you know, I, I sometimes get the gears at work because I, I say I don't love Rory McElroy, but I mean, who wouldn't want to see him win the masters?
0: Yeah, it's, it was kind of one of those things where coming down the stretch it was like, yeah, he's probably not going to do, it. you're not going to get sucked into the Rory train because of the way it was going. But um, you know, it was just one of those things where you want to see him win, but you know, you make a good point. One of the things that he said was talking about playing conservative tiger always talked about making sure you got off to a good start, just kind of keeping in. You don't, you can't win a tournament on Thursday, but you can lose it as they, you know, as the motto goes, I guess. But the, I love swaggy Rory. I know we we talked about this the day after the the tournament when we were we were filming up at the studio and we got some really cool videos uh, that week, um, but you know, Swaggy Rory is the best Rory. You know, if you watch some of the old videos where you know he's winning majors, he's just. I mean, I can think of probably one of my favorite events that I, it was when he won the Canadian Open when it was at Hamilton a few years ago, which was the last like true Canadian Open. Uh, he was he played with Brooks I think in the last last day and you know, off the, even off the first tee. So for those who don't know, Hamilton Golf Country Club, first hole is like close to 400 yards, not quite. It's downhill. You have to carry a bunker for the players there. It's it's an automatic go over the bunkers for almost anyone on tour at this point, um, it, which is, I think it's probably like two, probably close to 280, 300 yards. He plays a little downwind and he gets up there and he just rips it. And the cameraman lost it. Like they're looking, they're looking at the landing area and you can go back and find the highlights. I always thought it was really funny because all of a sudden the camera just does this like wide quick pan. You're like, Oh, he's, he nearly drove it on the green and he just like bounces down the fairway. It does look like, you know, the Rory? If you go watch the old videos of, you know, chubby long hair, Rory, just strutting. I'm like, man, that's the Rory we need on freaking Thursdays at majors nowadays. Like he doesn't, Maybe it you know it's just like he's scared, right? And uh, I think that's always one of those things where it's like I want Swaggy Rory. Swaggy Rory, we we got Swaggy Rory on Sunday, which was awesome to see. But uh, you know you don't see him that often, even when he won in uh, I guess it was Vegas at the Shadow. No, no, Shadow Creek. It was the the place in the middle of nowhere, whatever that was. Yeah, Summit. Summit. There you go. This uh, CJ Copper plaque or whatever, and he won that event. Like even then, like he was playing well, but he wasn't doing. He wasn't like confident swaggy rory he was just firing at pins and didn't care and i i just want to see more i love rory. I mean, i'm a huge rory fan like I, you know he's not i think he's a couple of years younger than me i always thought it was really cool just to like be, have someone you can not that i can relate to him in any way at all Um uh, other than the fact that you know my my uh grandpa my grandfather was lived from Northern ireland and like is very close to like where he grew up i guess like that's like the only thing but um, you know, there's no, <laughs> that's, that's the closest thing that I can think of, but just as a fan, like I love watching him play. And I, I just wish we got swaggy Rory more often. Uh, and I hope he carries it through the rest of the year because if he's, if he plays like this, you know, it's going to be hard to beat, but I mean, Scotty Shelfers on a freaking heater. So, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm very interested to see how the rest of the, the event goes. Now you did mention Rory switch balls, but, uh, one of the other, uh, you know, equipment tidbits that come out was first the Scotty Scheffler's three wood, which we talked about replaced a Nike VR that he had forever. Uh, so you got him tailor-made in the bag. But one thing that I know we've talked about in the past uh, and now it's really starting to come out because social media is allowing people to kind of get their eyes on these things is Charles Schwartzel had former Nike staffer had a set of artisan irons in the bag, which looked awfully familiar to one of your favorite sets. Mike, what did you think of seeing those?
1: Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was cool to see them out in the wild. I mean, I, I you know you and I have known about these irons now for probably a little over a year, and I've probably through my photos have ten different copies of photos that Mike has sent me over the over the year. Going, this is what we're working on. This is what we're looking at. This is the forgings that we're doing. Um, this this product looks very finished, which is nice. It's nice to see that we're getting closer to potentially getting, you know, the everyday consumer into these irons. Um, I know there's a couple different models that are tr- trying to be available. Um, but uh I mean it's great. I, I think it's it's very cool that, you know, these some of these ex Nike guys, they can go to the ex-Nike guy and get some clubs designed that's people they trust. Um and, uh, and get some tools that truly are made, you know, one for one to them. I, I mean, I went through the wedge process. I was able to get wedges exactly how I wanted it done. I know Jason Day spends time there. Bryson has spent time there. Um, obviously, Schwartzel, um, you know, Patrick Reed, and, and all these guys, what a lot of people don't realize is all these guys pay for this. Um, Mike and the, and the team at Artisan, um, they, they're not like a big OEM where they can just give free clubs away uh, for people to use their product. Those are, uh, those are paid, uh, you know, by the, by the, you know, the customer to, to get stuff made by Mike. And it is, it is a reason why he is the best of the best. When I was there in, a couple of years ago and I'm, and I'm actually going again in May this year, but when I was there, um, longer was getting an, a set of irons, uh, milled and it took like, I I honestly don't know how many hours, but they were Hand milling the grooves and they have a USGA groove checker on this little computer, it's like a little computer stuck in a corner, and they're they're checking the grooves, and they're like, No, no, we need to go like one one thousandth of a millimeter deeper or something like that. Um, and, and that's when I was like, Holy hell, these guys are like really like detailed and got to see that process. But um, I'll tell you one thing: if Mike's gonna release an iron, just like he how he's released wedges and the team has released putters. They're not going to do it until it's absolutely perfect um, and to what they can trust. I mean, Mike worked for Hogan, uh, Nike, and now his own. So he's going to make sure that it's perfect. And I really do believe from from the photos with Schwartzel's irons, this is going to be, uh, it looks like final production, which is really cool.
0: Yeah. it's uh, Speaking to Mike's level of craftsmanship, one of the mm-hmm. one of my uh, people I know in the golf industry, a lot of people are familiar with and mentioned in the past, Jeff Sheets. Go find his website. It's all out there. Um, he's worked with a lot of different companies and he was, uh, at Hogan when they did the 50th anniversary. So it was still under like the Spalding umbrella and everything like that. And Mike did all the master molding for those irons. It was the composite of a bunch of different irons. And you know, that was the idea was to like, and that it is one of the most, other than some of the originals is some of the most famous Hogan irons. And all of the, all the masters were done by Mike. And basically, and you can it's right on Jeff's website. This isn't a like secret industry thing, but it says like they were so good that they were basically like, didn't really do any extra like polishing or anything like that. It was basically take the master molds, uh, scan them, CNC, and then do the, like the actual forging dies, which I thought was fascinating. And it goes to show the amount of, of craftsmanship that goes into it. And, and to your point, you know, it hasn't been like a a secret secret. Like we've seen stuff out there. It'll pop up on social. Uh, I I know I've had some people like some club builders who are very familiar, much like yourself with the, with the team down there and, and sending some iron picks. I've seen some straight muscle blade style irons come out of there that just say, you know, prototype or whatever on them. So it is curious because, you know, we've having, I think the, I think golf direction shared some photos of them. I know uh, golf.com had some photos as well. And, All of this leads back to, you know, what it comes down to from a fitting perspective. You know, we always focus on club head, shaft, grip, length, lie, loft, all of those different elements. And if you are looking to kind of watch a a high-speed player go into an iron fitting, you can check out our new video with Marquez Brownlee, uh, on, uh, on the YouTube page, which I thought was a fantastic, amazing athlete dude has tons of speed. Uh, and so, you know, if you're looking to like watch a new iron fitting, we do have one of those out with a, with obviously a very good player. Um, but you know, for, for these guys on tour, the soul is, is kind of the next step. Right. And exactly your, what you just said there, I know, uh, talking to, uh, Patrick from national custom work when Duffner got his irons, he paid for them. Like they're not doing these things for free. Like these are one-off sets for guys that are like from small companies. Like no, they're not giving these things away, which I always think is like the coolest part of this whole
1: bit. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, it's very cool that a lot of these OEMs can can give product away to, you know, to these players, and they want them to get in their, you know, their gear and their bag and stuff. But you know, guys like Mike, guys like National Custom Works, you know, other smaller putter companies and stuff like, they can't just, you know, it. It's their, it's their livelihood. They got to, they got to sell some product and, you know, I hate to say it, but when you want to go see the best, it's going to cost the price if they, if they're not a massive OEM. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's cool just to see, like when I was like, again, my first time at artisan was a month after Patrick Reed won the masters. Um, and obviously, you know, he had some artisan wedges in and it was funny. There was a whiteboard and it was like, they had all the OEMs names like how many masters wins and there was a couple OEMs that didn't have any masters wins so under the word artisan they had like you know you know check you know number one they've already got a a major win kind of thing so um really cool team really cool product and just excited to see what they do uh coming up next
0: when you talk about no, you make a good point there about saying the, you know, when you, yeah, you, if you're going to get something and you're going to, you're going to see the best, you know, what you're saying is Mike, you should pay for fittings, right? hundred <laughs> percent pay, pay double. <laughs> pay double. Yeah. um You know, and it does come down to the idea that, you know, you're getting, you're getting value out of the time spent with an individual. And that's, that's what we always talk about for us. That's our stance on this, on this statement. And that's why you know, when I go places, I'm I'm always willing to not to go down the huge debate, but I always think that you know when you're paying for someone to to do something to help you, whether it be your golf game or whatever else it happens to be, uh you do get the you it's always worth the price of admission, you know, you're talking to an absolute expert. Um now speaking of of price and and those uh you know, there's a lot of different stuff going on right now. Not a whole lot of club releases. Uh we're seeing, you know, everyone's waiting for some some new product in the fall, probably from, you know, Taylor's Metalwoods are coming up on 2 years and uh but one thing that it was, has just been announced is the you know a company known for their irons. Not that I'm trying to create the professional segue here, <laughs> but uh, Mira just launched uh, two new putters. It's the first time they've launched putters in four or five years, um, Newport, and or sorry, Answer and Answer 2 style. You know, we're going to give credit where credit is due. And uh, they look fantastic. Now, they are noticeably, they are basically a $1,000 a putter, but you know, looking at them, I love the shape of the. We'll call it the Answer Two style.
1: Have you seen them yet, Mike? I've seen. Uh, I've seen photos of them. I know we have a couple uh, coming for testing really soon. I mean, it's pretty hard to to screw up a Newport or an Answer style putter. Um, you know, it's you know the craftsmanship that you know the team at Mirror Golf do. Um, you know, I would imagine their putters aren't going to be you know, a joke by any means, I I will say from the conversations that I've had, um, with the Mura team over the last couple of days, um, with the KM one and KM two, it has taken them, I think three and a half years to design these putters. And the funny thing is you look at it and you go, well, it's just a new port. How hard can it be to design? But you know, Mura doesn't really screw about and, you know, Mura is still very, um, Still very part of the the process, what you know what he says goes. Um and if he doesn't like something, he's not gonna do it. But they the KM one is a shape that I'm hoped to have very soon. Um, but the KM two is right up my wheelhouse. I'm I'm very, very excited to to roll a few of these putters and um but yeah, they're I mean they're crazy expensive, but the you know it's 303 Japanese stainless steel, cnc Um They've I think there's a cool grip with it. It's either leather or rubber style. I think it's Um, a leather
0: grip. So, I mean, you're talking about a hundred dollar grip right off the bat, like those, um, the style, I think it's a kangaroo leather, leather grip. So they're not messing around when it comes to that. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it is premium top to bottom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, really excited to, uh, to look at, uh, to roll these putters outside and see what they do. Now you, 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 you kind of joked there, but like three years
0: and, but you know, I would say that the discerning golfer is always very, very um, accustomed to a certain shape or a certain style or at least certain proportions, because, you know, not to, I'm, I'm not going to name any names because I think everyone's eye is slightly different. But if you go out there and you look on Instagram or you look at some of the, some of the smaller putter makers that are just starting to pop up or popped up over the last couple of years, they have, you know, answer styles or in Newport, or answer two styles, or you know, classic styles that fit a lot of different um uh classic shapes, basically. Some of them aren't very good. Like, you know, it's fine that like from the back and from a picture on Instagram or something, like you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, he looks fine, but the, the edges aren't aren't great, the finishing isn't isn't perfect. You're you're seeing these like these little touches, these little details where you, you can see why something is the way it is for one company. And then on the other side of things, you're like, yeah, that's really cool. And it's, it's awesome that it's like custom and it's unique and maybe it fits someone's eye. But if you're used to very specific dimensions, I don't think people realize how difficult that is to actually get to that point. Almost to like, uh, when you look at irons and you, we always talk, the, uh, the eight iron is probably the most important iron in a set. I can think back to some old clubs that I've kicking around that are like Hogan's and. I got like uh, McGregor's and stuff that I have. The eight iron is like this weird transition club for a lot of companies because it goes from the, the straight top line to a, a more of a rounded shape into a pitching wedge, depending on the model. And you, know, you can mess that shape up. <laughs> like, you can tell when a, when a company's really spent time on a set of irons and that eight iron looks good. Cause you know, I'm sure much like yourself, Mike, you've seen some pretty bad ones.
1: Yeah, I've seen some pretty bad ones. I will tell you right now, the top of my, mind and i'm not just saying this because i potentially am gonna play a set this year but the best eight iron nine iron and pitching wedge in my opinion is t100s it's still like the toe is a little bit longer it doesn't get roundy and like a soup spoon style like i've seen um but i will go back to the putters for a sec i've had people reach out to me they're like hey i'm gonna get into the putter kind of business and i'm gonna you know i want to send you my you know 009 or my Newport two or my you know answer Two, whatever the heck you want to call it and it, sometimes you look at it and you go holy moly this is this is really bad and other times you look and you go wow yeah, that's that's really good and then people go well why can these small people charge three four hundred dollars for these putters because it takes time and the 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 machining that goes into it whether it's on a you know, an old bridge port or it's on a, you know, a CNC, you know, machine that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's why this stuff is expensive to take a block of steel and turn it into something you can shaft up and roll putts with takes a lot of time. But, um, I, you know, you know, I give credit to the mirror team, you know, they have the name and they have the, the legacy behind mirror. So people know that the product's going to be good, but I will give it to them. You know, I haven't seen it in hand personally, but in photos and from what I've heard, you know, kudos to them for bringing out a putter and, um, you know, getting us a premium, you know, product again. I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see it.
0: Yeah. I know, um, speaking to the, the machining process, I know there's someone over in the, in the UK that does some putters and and works at a machine shop that does stuff that I believe we, we were kind of going back and forth. They sent me a picture or something. And it was going to go on a satellite, like legit <laughs> up into space. Jeez. And I asked him, I was like, how long did that take to make? And he's like, eh, I thought three months because of the precision. This thing was, it was pretty big. I not, I'm not going to explain what the part was, but uh, it was, it was had a lot of like very fine edges. It was like very, very, obviously very precise. And, you know, it's not just the making, it's the coding that goes into it. And one of those, a bit breaks during the process or anything like that. And it's completely lost. And that's where even with, you know, we see it with, we get the question all the time. I see it in forms. I see it online is like, why are raw wedges more expensive? And, you know, when it comes to, and I've, I've got a set of raw wedges, uh, recently they do ding up more. And I think that a lot of consumers, like general consumers don't want to walk into a golf store and see a club that looks like it's scratched more just because it's brand new. Right. And then, you know, part of that is because they're not making as many they they have to charge more for them you'd say oh it doesn't go into the process but grooves are cut different on raw wedges because of the they you know when they're on plated wedges they take into account that the fact they're going to get plated so there's an extra layer on those grooves so they're cut differently so they are actually cut differently and go into that which you know kind of off topic from going from putters to iron to eight irons to you know talking about Mm -hmm. milled wedges but the the whole thing is the value at the end of the day is for the consumer to know that they're getting a product that is, that is built exactly for them or, or to uh, built tight specifications. And I think that's always one of those things where, you know, it kind of gets lost in the sauce. <laughs> when it's like, yeah. Oh, why is this, this, or why is this, that? And, you know, if you go in and, and look at some, some random clubs off, off a shelf or something like that, and I'm not talking major OEMs, but if you're buying something that is, um, you know, not not even direct-to-consumer, but just something that's like kind of lower level or like an entry level product, flexes and weights, and all of these things are all over the map. And what you're paying for is precision. We see this with tour shoe shafts from True Temper. We see it from manufacturers like Mirror. When you get a set of iron sets, they are just seven grams, seven grams, seven grams, seven grams between golf clubs. Makes our jobs easier as club builders. But to get to that point, to have them sorted takes more time and takes more precision. And at the end of the day, what it does is it delivers a better golf club to the consumer, hundred percent. Now, speaking of new golf clubs, I'm just on this transition roll tonight, Mike. You now maybe you can tease this here. Uh, you know, I don't want to give it away. Maybe we'll do a video for for YouTube or something like that. But you no, know, you did post some some very very interesting driver numbers the other day. You seemed absolutely maxed to the freaking limit um, of the 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 GC Quad. So you've got a new, I you know you've talked a lot about, you've hit the stealth, you had a Sim 2, shown some great numbers with that. Uh, new driver for 2022 is going in the bag, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, for as brand agnostic as we want to be, I have been a tailor driver user since M3. Um, Obviously grew up playing tailor but always played, uh, you know, M3, M6, Sim, Sim 2, and uh and i really wanted to play the stealth i love the look of the stealth uh i love the the black the red face um the adjustability on i just love everything about it but i uh i was playing around on sunday ian and i went to go hit balls at the studio on sunday before the master started and uh obviously we all know i don't hit it long and i don't uh i don't miss the fairway often but i was like for some reason, something just clicked in my mind. I'm like, stop swinging like a little pansy and and actually hit it. And there was a couple that took a while to find the center of the face, but after a while, you know, I was honestly for me, it was up five miles an hour. And you know, to go from total to 275 to carrying at 270 uh, and seeing the odd one at that 2,000 spin kiss 300 yards is is a game changer for me. Um, so I built uh, a diamante TB 60s at. I'm gonna go 45 and a half inches, a little half inch longer. Um, and right now the cobra LTDX LS driver is in nine degrees set at eight is unbelievable. It is so good. I mean, for the last for the last couple months, we have sold a ton of Cobra drivers. A lot of customers are getting fit into Cobra drivers. Um, LTDX LS is bonkers. Dean actually, one of our fitters, he was on Tuesday. He was 185 ball speed, 127 club. And he was spinning it around 1900 and he was 333 carry, 357 total. And for anyone in the shop, we've seen five to six miles an hour faster with this driver head. Um, I had a conversation with the engineers from Cobra a couple days ago and they're like, oh, like, what would you like to see? And, in next year's driver and I was like please don't change the LTD XLS you can put new paint on it you can slap lipstick on a pig I was like just don't change anything um and obviously there's there are some changes coming but this new driver is really really cool it's ex- it's ex- I'm excited um but I went with one went one that's like all blacked out version I have an all black uh covert LTD XLS driver in the mail so hopefully get that in a couple days so i can uh i can play with it next weekend
0: that's cool yeah the, the, they've done us um a couple limited edition ones we've seen the uh, the all black one they did the what's the key
1: kioski i don't know i don't know the djs yeah kygor Ky- Ky- or whatever yeah it was funny i was i was with the um the cobra canada guys uh, a couple nights ago and just because I was with them doesn't mean I'm that's why I'm playing the driver. I'm a nobody, <laughs> so I'm just doing it for strictly performance. Um, but uh the guys were telling me they're like, oh, like the guys in the US said you you ordered a black driver. I said, Yeah, I said, I love the I love the makeup of the Cobra LTDX. I think it's it's fine. I was like, but the all black one just it's stealthy, it looks cool. Um and uh they're like, yeah, they go, people don't realize how limited that is. And I'm like, oh, how limited is it? And if I'm not mistaken, and again, we were sitting at the, uh, at a Leafs game. So it was a little loud, but he was like, I pretty sure like the black driver, we only have 500 pieces in North America. And I'm like, Oh, like I thought there was maybe like thousands of these sitting in a factory somewhere, but he's like, no, no, like 500 pieces. I think they did 200 pieces of the, the Palm series one from Miami a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, I, I really think it's cool. Like yeah. So, I mean, I think Cobra does a, does a good job with those drivers
0: and we've seen some more limited stuff from other companies. We've seen the TaylorMade doing the, the, my stealth. We've seen uh, my custom through, through Callaway. So you get to do your own, obviously like Cobra's not offering that, uh, that level, but they're offering the limited editions. And then we just saw the, uh, the, the blue one from Mizuno as well in the STZ. That's yeah. right. That's a cool looking, uh, cool looking driver. I always find that really funny, and I was you know you know I was talking to I was talking to Chris and kind of joking with him like, man, you did me dirty here. you know i I was hardcore, I played the blue driver for a long time, you go black, and all of a sudden you limit out the the blue ones again. and uh, you know, I don't have one of those. I don't have one of the new ones in, in either color. Um, but uh, you know it is I always find it funny that. And he he's joked about it. He's like, you know, we made a blue driver. Everyone wanted to be black. You know, we finally make a black driver. Everyone loves it. And then we, you know, we do a limited blue and everyone loves it again. And you're like, oh man, you can't make up your mind. It's uh, you know, as soon as you make something limited, then it becomes cool again. Right. It's so like true. the, it's like the, uh, you know, Supreme when they drop a t shirt or drop something like that. You know, it's all about if you make it limited. Which I think is always kind of cool. People are gonna line up for it and or at least there's gonna be enough demand to cover that limited availability. It's not like we're talking um cars or watches or something like that. I don't know. Did you see the line speaking of, did you see the lineup for the Omega swatch
1: um moon watches or this the, the speed was it, Speedmaster? Speedmasters, yeah. I mean the lineup insane. for crazy is funny. The weekend after that, I was in New York and um, I went to the Omega store and they had a bunch or the, I guess, sorry, it was a swatch store and they had a bunch of the, the watches on display. It's, it's interesting. It, it's funny. Like I'm part of this, I, I'm on a watch form and bit of a watch junkie. And, um, I was reading some stuff and the one guy commented, he goes, it's still a swatch. And I was like, well, I said, it's true. I mean, they are cool. Um, but you're right. As soon as they make something limited, it just goes, it just goes crazy. I mean, look at the, look at our TXG, uh, direct to consumer clubs. Everyone went crazy for those <laughs> people lined up, people lined up on April
0: 1st. They sure did. Yeah. It's uh, I, th- I thought that was a, that was a cool release. Um, uh, and the funny thing was like, I think they didn't even realize the demand was going to be so high because originally I remember looking at it and thinking, Oh man, this'd be cool. Like you know, I don't, I don't live anywhere close to Toronto. So I was like, ah, eh, no, obviously not going to make it down to the, the store and then i saw the picture of the i think it was the eaton center which is the big shopping mall downtown and people like were just running so it went from i think th- limit three per customer then it went down to like two per customer and even then like obviously like a zillion people did not get one and then they had to like they kept announcing on social media it was like no this isn't a limited release they're not numbered they're not like serialized they're just you know there's more coming which is like okay well, like why are you getting, okay, like I understand maybe you want to do the, your first review or you want to do something on, on social, or you just want to be that person who has it right away. Cause I saw flippers on, they were trying, people were like lining up to pre-sell them on eBay for like $2,500. dollars we are like, you're talking about a $300 watch here. <laughs> like, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing crazy about it. And actually the one thing I just saw speaking, bringing this a little back to golf is the, um, you know, for those who are, are you know, deep into the masters and deep into like, uh, you know, there's obviously the Masters merch tent. You know, there's the like the, the the gnome and the, all the shirts and the golf bags and all that cool stuff that they offer. But there is a a uh, another place that you can go the, you know the Augusta Pro Shop, which you only get through Berkman's place, which is allows you access to the actual Augusta National Pro Shop. So there's different logo product and all those things, and. They did a they did a limited edition uh, chronograph watch. There was like 350 pieces, and I finally I just I didn't real I know they always do a watch every year, but uh, the 2022 one is a chronograph. And I thought, oh man, that's like really sweet. And then I went on an eBay, and then they were like a thousand dollars. And I was like, these probably sell for like 400 dollars at the pro shop. Which I mean, if I was there, I probably would have bought one. But uh, to to go and spend a thousand dollars, I'm like, eh, I don't know. They don't seem to help. Like looking online, they don't seem to hold their collector value, but. I remember when I went in 2017 or 18, I was very close to buying one.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it would be a cool, cool piece to, to own for sure. Did you, uh, how much damage did you do?
0: You know, brings back to the masters. How much damage did you, you not know, give us an exact number? Like, but, uh, did you do a little bit of damage at the, at the
1: masters, uh, pro shop? Yeah, I was, uh, not a brag, but I was over a thousand dollars. Um, was a bit, uh, bit steep, but it's the checkout that gets you because one minute you're you're buying a couple shirts, and then the next minute you're like, well, maybe I'll get you know, maybe I'll get a dog collar, and then maybe I'll get a dozen balls that have August or the Masters logo on it, and then yeah, by the time you know it, the lady rang me up and she said it was a thousand dollars U.S., I had to make a phone call to the bank before I could put that one through. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know that's that's it's like the it's it's the candy bars at the uh at the end of the checkout line when you're going to the grocery store except uh we're not talking about candy bars we're talking about playing cards and um you no know, keychains and all these like got a, I got that really quick
1: I got a coffee table book I don't even own a coffee table I got a <laughs> coffee table book that's got like every the naming of every hole and it sits in our basement and it's uh it's I mean it is nice don't get me wrong but I was like why am I buying this? The only thing I regret not buying is a chair. I really do wish I bought um, a master's chair, and, and I'm, yeah, maybe next time.
0: I know the uh, the one thing that I I if I if I did buy it would have literally been the only thing that I purchased because I I bought some T-shirts and some hats and things that are you know that can kind of stick around a little bit other than like the the dozen or so you know plastic cups that you get from the concession stand. But uh the one thing that they had was they only had like 5 of them and we were there on the I can't remember what day it was. It was practice. I think it was Tuesday. Uh yeah, it was Tuesday. So it was early in the week. They had uh McKenzie Walker leather bag. So you got collars and everything like that. And I think it was like 5 I think it was like 550. I was like that is a lot of money. But I mean like they only make they think they had like a dozen of them. That was they were all like numbered and everything like that. And I hemmed and hawed on it. And then I saw the watch and I hemmed and hawed on the watch. And if I would have gone back, I, I would have gotten the watch. If all the things I would have bought, I would have bought the watch. Because the watch was like 300, 350 bucks. And I was like, okay, that's like something that you can have and you can always use. It's actually like a utility. It has like a purpose versus, you know, just like buying something that like will like sit or whatever. Um, even like coffee cups. I got, got a couple of coffee cups that I like, I like having kicking around. Um, but yeah, no, it's always it's always fun to talk the the merch stuff because oh, and a gnome. I wish I bought a gnome. I you know, I I like hemmed and hot on it again. And I was like, eh, I don't know, I don't even have a garden <laughs> at the time. I didn't have a garden. So uh just had like a little thing at the front. We just had the thing where we parked the car in the driveway. We lived in a downtown area. So I was like, oh if I put the gnome on someone's probably gonna steal it anyway. So it's really not the uh, the best idea to have it, but uh probably would have looked good sitting on a shelf if I did go back, but you know what? Fingers crossed. Next time we'll get a gnome, we'll get a golf bag and we'll get a watch and we'll, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll pray to the bank Lords. that uh, It doesn't uh, cost too, too much. Now we did touch on it earlier. And, you know, I want to, I want to mention this now is we've got a lot of really cool videos. Uh, You know, not that the other ones aren't cool, but uh, some really different ones and some really fun ones. Uh, that have come out. Uh, we had, uh, Marquez Brownlee, I know we shared on, on social a couple weeks ago. So his iron fit just came out. And, uh, Mike, have you, did you get a chance to watch that video? Cause he has a lot of speed.
1: He's got a lot of speed. He's, uh, he's a sneaky, good player. And he, when he was in, um, you know, he was talking about, you know, his handicap and stuff like that. And obviously he doesn't get to play as much as he wants. And I, I think this year, what he was saying, he's going to try to play a bit more and stuff like that. And, hopefully get some Arcos in his uh, in his set and collect some data and stuff like that. But um, yeah, sneaky, sneaky, long and sneaky good. Like the, his handicap. I mean, I think Ian made a mention of it. In one of the videos, he's like, you would be a great scramble partner or member guest partner because you're playing to a high handicap, but you can stripe it. So.
0: Yeah. Just get him around the greens. Right. I know. Yeah. It's uh, he'd be a great member guest guy to, to have around, but I think a lot of it comes down to, and you know, obviously a lot of people know him for the, uh, for YouTube, you can make all like tech reviews and all those things. Which I, I I love watching. I love all the car ones that he does. Uh, but the, uh, he also also plays professional ultimate Frisbee. So this guy is an athlete and, you know, we touched, they touched on it in the, in the iron fitting video, which is out today, uh, is like wrist control, right? Like wrist mm-hmm. angles and all these different things. So something I struggle with, but he like his control and his, obviously his strength to be able to throw and, and do that r- repeatedly. He was almost like zero zero on Crazy. his like path and like consistently right like and that's it's like the exact opposite of a video that uh, people will see uh, later this week if it's not already out based on when you're listening to this is uh, with Mac Mac Boucher and talking about shot shaping one hundred one. So hitting high, hitting low, hitting right, hitting left, and hitting his his patented slingers and sliders that. Like we're talking 20 degrees into out and 15 degrees out to in and all these different elements of, of moving the golf ball. Marquez is on the other side of that, that, uh, that scale where basically he like zero, zero and hits it very, very straight. And it just shows that there's, there's other ways to play the game, but athleticism plays into both of them. It's just kind of how it works for different players because, you know, Some people want to hit it straight. Some people want to see a shot shape and for both one, there's no right or wrong. It's just whatever works for that player. Totally. Now, last but not least, I did have a couple of questions that came out. Uh, No, I, we did mention on social. We shared it uh, the other day was we have officially reached 200,000 downloads for this podcast. Uh, Cumulatively. Our episodes do not get 200,000 episodes listens per episode. Come on, get that up. People. That would be ridiculous. Uh, we would be, we'd probably have some more sponsors. Uh, you know, we'd probably be, you know, <laughs> you're probably be doing this a little differently if we had that kind of, you know, This cachet. podcast
1: is pet- Petrol Performance by Rolex. Oh, thanks. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Brought And, to you and by- Mercedes oh, and oh, NetJets. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Netge- I was going to say Audi,
0: but I'll take the Mercedes. You know, well, you're probably you'd rather have Ferrari, you know, your uh, your
1: fanboyness for the F1 team, which has. Well, I mean, it's fantastic. a winning it's a winning team, right? I, you know, I don't cheer for second place. <laughs> what now I will. Did you, What do you think of uh, Alex
0: Alvin getting points for for Williams? I thought it was really I saw a meme that was like, uh, you no, know, what do you what did you say to George Russell? He's like, what was what took you so long?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I don't think. New fans are ready for the change-up that F1's going to have in the next three to five years. Um, there are some great drivers uh, that are in F2, F3, um, but you're going to start to see guys like, the, oh, call them smaller teams, but you're going to have the smaller teams like Haas and Williams, maybe not Aston Martin. I mean, they're a dumpster fire, but you're going to have those teams that actually have a chance of, you know, getting pole position and it's going to be different to see, not just, you know, Red Bull and Mercedes every weekend, uh, on, uh, on the podium. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I think this season's been unreal. I will tell you, they need to make the Australia race a night race because I was up to like three forty five in the morning watching this and could barely keep my eyes open. So, um, but yeah, it was really, really good. And, um, you know, the ponies are sitting really, really nicely right now.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it is seeing parody is, or at least more parody across the board is great for the, for the sport, great for entertainment. Totally. And uh, you know, I think it is interesting to see the, like the teams, like, like William's going to be back at it a little bit, like it's a historic team, right? You no, know, you don't, you don't. Um, and I remember seeing like not to go down the F1 train too, too far before we finish this off, but I remember watching a lot of really cool tech videos on some of the innovations they came up with as far as transmissions and basically gearless transmissions and how much that eliminated like basically cut lap time by like seconds when it came out in, I want to say his nineties, when they were like, they were the cream of the crop basically. And they basically, they like all those innovations became illegal. Right? Yeah. Like, these teams are known for innovation. Now they don't really get the credit they do now. If you're like a new, newer uh, fan to the sport, you're like, oh, it's really, like they're a kind of like more of a midfield or like a back of the pack team. But like they brought a ton of innovation. And I thought that was always really cool because, you know, as we as we talked here earlier in the show, talking about Nike and talking about Artisan, like, you know, people think of them now as like a small outfit. But if you think of the people behind them, there is. Technology and knowledge that is that is decades and decades uh deep. And you know, it's it's how they apply that knowledge now to under, under the rules of golf or whatever it happens to be, to to make those improvements for individual players. And I think that's that's the that's the thing that's going to make F1 very interesting. And is also what makes golf from a customization and club perspective, you know, kind of fascinating because there's always the ability to maximize for an individual golfer. And I think that's one of those those cool elements. But uh, Ferrari is looking very, very good and it's pretty impressive to watch them, uh, watch them race right now.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it is very, it's a nice change. I'll give you that.
0: So, no, Mike, let's, well, so the question, oh yeah, listener question.
1: <laughs>
0: I, I said I was going to get to that, um, was someone asked about shaft weight and this is, it, it totally relates to driver. And that is, I like using the, doesn't matter what shaft it is, but I like the seven X, of the driver shaft, but the six X, how much is there different? Does it matter between clubs? Cause we see from companies like Accra, for example, you go to weight different weights. The CPMs are exactly the same. So you are literally just changing the weight of the golf club shaft, but for most companies, is there a huge difference in the weight categories looking at the same model? Or could someone go with a weight preference if they're kind of in between?
1: No, there is, there is a difference, uh, in performance and feel for sure. Um, we were actually, Ian and I were, were chatting to one of our newest hires who works on the customer service team, Pam, and she's not a golfer by any means, but she's really trying hard to learn about, you know, different products and stuff like that. And, um, she saw me cut, uh, the tip section of one of the new TZ fives, ADM fives. And, uh, she's like, wow, that saw is really taking like A long time to cut through it I was like yeah well the wall's really thick and the tip section's really you know thick because that's how they make shafts heavier and stiffer by just making you know more layers of graphite and stuff like that and then I cut a 50 gram shaft and it cut really quickly and you showed her the two different you know tip diameters and stuff like that and um, I had a question like this tonight someone was asking me the difference between you know a 60x and a 70x and there is a significant difference for sure
0: and even just like the wall thickness, depending in mo- from most again from most manufacturers, the wall thickness can change the feel, and when you change total weight, you can change delivery a little bit. And that's one of those things where you know if you're looking for speed, you could go a little lighter, or if you're looking for you know maybe the feel and a little bit control, not that you know for this individual golfer whatever it happens to be, then the heavier weight could be more beneficial if the person has a quicker tempo or things like that. But yeah, there is there is definitely a difference, and it's the same with. We've seen it with, uh, you know, even with like true temper, for example, like they have the, the S 300 people know that as like the stiff flex, but the S 300 flex of the, uh, dynamic gold, I think it's like one Oh five is not the same as the S 300 in a, like a standard, you know, traditional, like 120 300, or like a, a, just a tour weight S 300, which is about 127 grams. They do not perform the same. And Mm -hmm. we've seen it from other manufacturers in the past where it's a stiff flex, but it might be very light. Graphite is obviously different because of their ability to to use layers. And it's not a homogeneous material like steel, where, you know, as you create thinner walls and steel, it's going to become more flexible. It's just naturally the way the the material reacts. But uh, it is something where with the drivers that I think people can kind of like if you're in between, it's I always say err on the side of lighter with the driver for, for distance purposes. Cause you can always dial in a driver for, for like bias when it comes to the head, as far as like moving, maybe moving a weight around or moving, setting on a hosel. That to me is, is more important than like maybe a few extra grams in the shaft, but you know, that's, I'm just thinking from like one example versus some players who really need control might benefit from that. Ow. Not with my hand off the desk, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm not cutting that. I'm leaving that in. <laughs> Uh, but that's, that's where the, uh, the big difference is for that. So, uh, it was a great question. So, you know, one that we,
1: we do happen to get a lot. Did you, do you get any other questions that came in this week, Mike? I didn't do a Q and a this Sunday. I was, uh, you know, took a di- I took the, the only Sunday of the year where I like to just leave it to the masters, but, uh, this week coming up, we'll definitely do one.
0: I, I will as well. I know, uh, we had, uh, probably this weekend, I'll do a little Q and a, which is always fun to lead into the the rest of the podcast. And then also just kind of talk about you no know, answering people's questions. Cause we are at the beginning of the season. I don't know. Well, I know I don't have to ask you cause I know you're in the shop every day, but I can definitely tell in my just locally from friends, mm-hmm. as well as some of the questions I get on, on Instagram and Twitter that like, Oh, what about regrouping my golf? Cause they're getting my lies and loss suggestions. I'm like, guys, you could have asked me this in February. <laughs> everyone's ready to go. It's like, you know, I I just like, I'm going to call my garage up in the next couple weeks. My mechanic will be like, Hey, I really want my summer tires on now. He's like, yeah, thanks. Well, uh, you know, it's going to be two weeks to book an appointment for one of those.
1: So no, it is what it is, but I will say, um, to any customers listening to this, we are trying our hardest to get you your golf clubs. I, whether you have heard from us or you haven't heard from us, trust me when I say this, we are working. I mean, I got home. what time is it rb it's almost 12 o'clock we're, I mean, at, we're looking at midnight at,
0: we're looking at the got, other side
1: of the next day i got home at ten thirty at night and started the day at 9 a.m and um we're working tirelessly to get people's clubs out the door and it's getting better but um do bear with us We're we're getting there and we get it the golf season's here but um yeah we're trying our best
0: I will, I will attest to that. Mike is coming back from the shop on Monday. I stopped in and and saw the crew and it was like Santa's elves in the, in the workshop. They were just before Christmas. It was insane. And I know like, again, I've seen how hard everyone's working and it is uh, no, we are doing our best and that is a good point. So, you know, you know, it's a good thing to end on that because I think, you know, we are, everyone is trying their absolute best and, you know, there's still a lot of bottlenecks and backlogs, you know, for (laughs) if, if someone to give you another like personal example, I know that, uh, some of our, our, our Pinehurst contestants, which I know people are aware about happened in the fall. Uh, we're just, we're just finally getting some of those shafts out to them, which just is the nature of the beast at this point in time. And so, uh, to those guys, Michael and Corey, thanks so much, uh, for your patience. We are, I know you're, you're gearing up just like everyone else for the golf season. And we're excited to get those to you as well. And, and that's talking back to the fall. So, um, no, we are, we're doing our best here and, and we're hoping that, uh, you know, you enjoy this as well. And Mike,
1: great chat this week. Thank you, RB. We will, I'm sure I'll chat to you this week.